I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the EduGals podcast. We are your co-hosts, Rachel Johnson and Katie Atwell. We are here to bring you tips and tricks to help you integrate technology into your classroom. In this episode, we are talking all about how to collaborate and deal with those difficult or challenging colleagues. Yes, so a very difficult topic to kind of chat about, but you know, I think it's an important conversation where we address the elephant in the room and give you some strategies on how we can move forward. Let's get started. This week, Katie and I are tackling, I don't know, kind of a difficult topic in that we we want to talk about how to collaborate with those colleagues that are difficult and challenging to work with. Yeah, it is a bit of a challenging topic. But I've heard from a lot of different people just some of the struggles that exist. And, you know, I think it's worth brainstorming some ways to kind of put more of a positive spin so it's not so stressful because it can be difficult. It can be really stressful to to have different personalities and not get along well um, or see things in the same way as colleagues. So, yeah. We all have these experiences. It's a reality in every single, you know, place of employment. You're not going to get along with everybody, and that's totally normal. So how do we deal with it as educators? That's a really great question. (laughs) (laughs) And so I think it depends. So when I talk to new teachers and they're, you know, they're stressed out about, you know, how do you get along with people, you know, I, I learned from teachers college differently, etc. cetera. I, I think the biggest thing is to have an open mind because everybody has something to teach one another and what works for one person isn't always going to work for another. And so I think listening is the first step. I think we need to listen to one another. We need to, you know, try to learn from each other and just kind of have an open mind as we're having these conversations. Yeah, and that can definitely be challenging for sure to to keep that open mind and to stay in that sort of space of um, like not necessarily super positive, but just being open. One one sort of strategy I came across that was really interesting, and I don't I can't even remember where I came across this, but. It was, it was a note-taking strategy, and I think there's some application here in that as you're kind of taking notes on things, instead of just kind of documenting exactly what you're hearing, instead taking what you're hearing and reframing it into how might we questions. Mm-hmm. And so maybe even like just kind of keeping that in mind as someone's talking, you know, maybe you, you don't necessarily agree with their position or what they're saying, but kind of trying to listen for that. Okay, well, there's this. So like, then how might we work together to do this thing? Yeah. And and I the way you even frame that, it makes me think this happens in 
even as students or as human beings out in the world, we all have different opinions and we, we do have to figure out how to get along and kind of bridge those gaps and, and still be pleasant, right? So, you know, I think that's a good way of framing your thinking because then, you know, you're still looking for solutions. You're still looking at positively and you're not shutting down because that can often happen where you start to get defensive and start to just, I don't get this. I can't do this. This is just not me. And so then you shut down. And I've done that before. I do have to admit, I have shut down before. And so, you know, I think it's reframing that. And and you're right, taking notes and coming up with those, okay, so how can we or how might we to, to start shifting that mindset from a shutdown to let's find solutions. I would almost say too, like in my past experiences, I've also experienced like difficult colleagues or ones that are challenging to work with. Sometimes it's coming from a place of them feeling like their voice is not valued. And as soon as you start to value their voice or make sure that you're like, yes, I hear you, I hear what you're saying, and I'm going to take that into what I'm planning, then there there tends to be a, a shift as well. Yeah, everyone needs to know that their voice is valued. We don't have to agree on every single method, but we need to value each other and the expertise that we bring. And, and we all contribute. I almost think it also goes back to our conversation we had a few weeks ago about an asset versus deficit mindset. And we talked about it in terms of students, but it completely applies here as well. And and I think, you know, another thing, you know, even, you know, this whole idea of valuing, it's, it's also getting to know people because, you know, some people may seem, you know, a bit offhandish or just, you know, hard to kind of get along or approach, but once you get to know them, I find that those barriers kind of break down and, and you're able to actually communicate and see where people are coming from. Um, and so as much as we say building community in the classroom, your educator community, your staff, there needs to be some relationship building so that you can you know, actually have these conversations and be open and get to know one another so that you understand where people are coming from. Absolutely. And both Katie and I have or are in leadership positions. So the value of developing those relationships with people is just so, so important. You can't ask someone to do something that's taking a risk or challenging their beliefs or anything outside of their comfort zone until you have a really good relationship established with those people. And it needs to be purposeful and it needs to be whole staff because you have like education right now is a revolving door. There's LTOs and long-term supplies coming in constantly. If we don't embrace the new and the old and and kind of bridge that and, and introduce each other and get to know so we have a strong team, you're going to find that you have a lot of conflict within your school. So I I feel like, especially now with high stress levels around pandemic and, you know, these pressures with extracurriculars and all of these extras that are being thrown at staff, now is the perfect time to make sure that we're building these relationships because people are stressed, which means we are far more likely to be quick-tempered, frustrated, and have some of these more negative emotions come out, which could then adversely affect the long-term staff culture, 
It's funny. You think about like all the strategies that we use with students that are good with students and, and it applies to staff as well. So even taking time in your course team or your grade team or whatever, but taking some time to even come up with your expectations or your norms for your discussions like and your co-planning time. So coming up with those norms together and taking the time to do that could actually prevent a lot of difficult and challenging situations going forward. And I almost feel, and it may seem silly, but even like moderating marks and, you know, sitting down and and talking about what people look for and going over assignments together, especially in course teams, I, I often find that those actually get some really good conversations going um, and really help you get to know your colleagues better and, and find that middle ground where you can really start to build some positive relationships. I also find like a lot of things like when they, they break down or when you um, hit these challenging situations, like I would say nine times out of 10, it's because of a lack of communication. Mm-hmm. And so even just meeting regularly as a team, and I know, I know it's like y- you get the eye rolls, right? And you're like, oh, do we have to meet again? And all this sort of stuff. But honestly, doing those regular meetings and, and they don't need to be structured. They don't need to be have an agenda every single time. It's just let's get together. Let's commit to talking about this once a month, maybe or once every other week, even is probably more ideal. And work together and make sure those lines of communication are always open. Yes. That's key. There have been so many situations in terms of my leadership position in the past where that's been the issue is communication. And most of them get fixed just by working on that communication piece. Yeah, it's huge, right? Because then you're checking in, you're asking questions, you're kind of problem solving before things become bigger issues. Like Constant and regular communication is is so important in maintaining positive relationships and positive school culture. And and when I say communication, I don't mean emails. <laughs> no. <laughs> emails, like the, the number and the volume of emails on a daily basis since COVID hit. Yeah, no, I am so done with email. And to be honest, I don't even know how much I remember when I'm staring at a screen all day with the number of emails that are sent out. It is so hard. It's so hard to actually remember all of that information that you have to take in. Yeah. Just go talk to them. Yeah. Conversations. (laughs) It actually takes less time, too. And then you don't have to worry about your your message getting misconstrued in any way. Totally. Right. Like we we always interpret tone. And if I'm frustrated and I'm reading an email, I'm going to interpret tone in that email. That's likely different than what the intention was. And sometimes if I'm in a rush, you know, I am one of those people who I'm just going to kind of just put it out there. And I'm very, I don't want to say blunt, but I'm pretty blunt, I guess. Uh, I'm not good at flowery language or like political language and all of that stuff. Obviously, as I talk about it, I probably sound very (laughs) uncomfortable. (laughs) But I'm very blunt and I kind of just get to the point because I think like that's the most important, right? Like I, I don't have time to sit here and take hours to construct an email. I'm not good at that. See, and I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I'm I'm pretty good at the political language and the maneuvering and the yeah, 
it, it's almost like a chess game sometimes, and I, I actually do enjoy it. Oh. I, I'll say that. And is it fitting when I say I don't even like chess? Like, I feel like that actually speaks volumes. <laughs> oh, I I hate chess, too. But I, I don't know. There's something about trying to, and, and maybe this is more of my science brain, I don't know, but trying to get to the bottom of understanding why behaviors are happening and, and why situations are happening and how to go about that situation to almost to bring that self-awareness to the other person without you necessarily bringing it about. I, I don't know. I find that really interesting, really intriguing and kind of one of the pieces of a leadership role that I really enjoy. Oh, good on you. I'd rather just go and like talk, get it out there. I think that's though why I like going have a, a conversation with somebody over email as well, because then it's it, it's easier to connect with the person. It's you can read their body language. I mean, with masks, it's a little bit harder, right? Because you can't fully read the expressions on their face, but it, it gives you so much more information. And like you said, those emails, the tone could could be read totally different. Yeah. And it's more efficient to just meet and talk because then you can ask the clarifying questions. You can make sure you understand what that person's intentions are or what they actually want. You know what I mean? Or what we need to do as a team. Whereas like the email, like some people don't feel comfortable asking follow-up questions or they misinterpret what is intended it's just a disaster we need to like shift away from constant emails and towards conversations let's get back to the root of communication and let's actually talk to each other it's funny i actually got an email a few days ago and when i initially read it my my initial reaction was like whoa like what where did this come from where you know all all of that sort of stuff and then it it actually took me probably more time to just like sit and read this email and kind of think about it before I I calmed down and went okay like this is not as bad as it my initial reaction yeah it also depends on what you're doing when you get that message because the way that you read it is going to be different depending on how you're feeling or what you're experiencing. I actually had a colleague and, and uh, so I, I would write all these email messages and this colleague would, over my shoulder, read it back in, in this condescending, like <laughs> mocking kind of tone. <laughs> and it, it, was, it was funny. Not funny, right? But funny. But um, that's actually helpful for me to understand, like, oh, this is how that message could come across. It's also a little bit scary <laughs> because that's not my intention here. <laughs> I think one other thing to kind of keep in mind when trying to collaborate with colleagues that can be difficult or challenging is that you can only tr control your reactions and your actions and you can't control the other person. And so I've seen this really great visual shared on Twitter a number number of times and it's like the things that I can control in the center and then all the things that I can't control on the outside of it. And so I think kind of even keeping that idea in mind that you can only can control how you react and how you act towards your team or, or that person, I think is really important to keep in mind. Yeah, no, totally. And we, we can't decide how other people should be reacting, right? Like we really can only control ourselves. Like do what you can, 
to control your own reactions and to control the things that you can and you do your best. And it, and it's all about, you know, that communication, being open-minded, trying to like consider, you know, what's going on with the person that you're speaking with, et cetera, to ensure that you can just keep a positive relationship as much as possible. I actually came across a TikTok video this morning that was, um, he was talking all about anger and us feeling anger and anger is a choice. You choose to feel angry. And his sort of message was like, why would you choose that for yourself? Why would you choose to feel that emotion when it feels so crappy? Why not choose joy instead? And okay, fine, like it's that's getting a little fluffy right out there in terms of that. But I think there's something to it. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, anger is a natural reaction. It's a natural emotion. It's part of the range of being human. But I guess what you do with it is essentially it. Like if you're going to let that affect you, in, in all of your life and all of the kind of different components, sure, that's definitely a choice, but you're allowed to be angry, but just deal with it. Find ways to kind of de-stress and let those emotions out and deal with them. Don't let them affect you. So going along this line of thinking too, there's a YouTube video I was watching last night. Was, <laughs> I, I nerd out. I watch all kinds of stuff. I listen to all kinds of stuff. I am always learning. Like I am yep. the epitome of the everlasting learner. Yep. What, do, what do we call it? I Lifelong forget the word. learner. Lifelong learner. Thank you. <laughs> but in, in this video, um, she was talking about uh, like morning routines and stuff like that. So not really applicable here. But one thing that really stuck with me is um, something about the brain. Okay, so we're going to get a little science nerdy here for a second. So in your brain, you have something called the reticular activating system. Okay, big fancy word. Essentially, what that part of your brain does, though, is it filters the data that comes in during the day. So like we get bombarded by so much data, like sounds, images, words, notifications, emails, like all this data. And our brain can't doesn't have the capacity to deal with all of it. So what that reticular activating system does is it helps to filter out the data and lets us know what it deems important. And what's important is what you tell it to focus on. So like, if you think about, like when I bought my car, my car is white, and I never noticed all the white cars on the road until I bought a white car. And then I'm like, oh my God, all these cars are white or all these cars are Subarus. Like, and so, that's actually your reticular activating system that's doing that because you're focusing now on white cars. You see them everywhere. Yeah. So going along those lines, then if you focus all the time on the negative, then you're going to see all kinds of evidence to support your negative viewpoint, because that's what essentially what you're telling your brain to focus on. So if you flip it and you try and focus on the positive, on the assets, on the strengths, then your brain's going to show you the evidence for that as well. So I know like a lot of that, like think positive stuff is kind of fluffy in terms of, <laughs> of the messaging, but there's actually real science behind it. Yeah. So maybe instead of like this constant annoying message of think positive, sorry, I shouldn't have like done that with my voice, but that should tell you how <laughs> I feel about it. Um, I think it needs to be focused on the good things because, you know, it's hard to think positive when you're frustrated and anxious and angry. But 
I think that the biggest piece of advice with that phrase, I think it's just telling you to don't let that take over. Look at what's going well. Look at where your joy and your passion is and, and let your focus be that. Embrace that portion. Yeah, we, we can't control our initial reactions. Like they, they're going to happen. And initially you're, you're going to, I don't know, be pissed, be angry, be furious, be frustrated. And those are all valid emotions and valid reactions to something. But I think it's then taking a second and stopping yourself in that moment and going, okay, why, why am I feeling this way? Like almost getting curious with your own feelings and your own understanding and then trying to go, okay, this is, this is just a thought. Like, how else can I think about this? Yeah, and I think that's what it comes down to. So allow the reactions, but move forward. Don't get stuck. The next one, and, and maybe it's hard. So when we're dealing with people who frustrate us who, or who elicit these reactions, um, I think it's important that, and I know we talk about this, and I know it's hard, but self-care, go home, find an outlet, do something for you, and, and don't let them ruin your personal life as well. So I, I think self-care is important here. And I think that we hear this all the time. And it's hard. Self-care is hard, especially when you have kids and a family and, and other factors to kind of consider when you are home. But find something just for you that you find joy in, whether it be, I, I say cardio kickboxing because that's my outlet. Like that's my de-stressor. Like if I'm having a real crap week, that's what I'm going to do because that helps me get some of that negative energy out. But it could be anything. Maybe it's reading a book. You know, maybe it's going for a walk. Just find something to take care of you that you find joy in. Yeah, our <laughs> sometimes your self-care is not really self-care. Like I find when I get really angry, mm-hmm. I clean. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> Which amazing. Is beneficial to my house. I, yes. I don't yes. like cleaning any other time, but <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. My husband always knows when I'm not happy cuz I'm cleaning the kitchen and like scrubbing it down and just yeah, taking out my frustration there. It's it's funny. But but like on a more ser- sort of serious note, um I have been finding meditation is really helping. And again, I know we're getting into like the frou-frou like fluffy kind of stuff, but seriously, give it a tr- like give it a try and and kind of be open to it. Um I find doing Headspace every morning for 10 minutes just puts me in a calmer mood and has actually helped me to react less to situations initially. I I still react. Everyone does, but it's kind of given me a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, it's just finding what works for you. And there's no right or wrong answer. Exactly. There's everybody's definition of self-care is different. It's not just, you know, grab a glass of wine and go have a bubble bath. That's not what we're talking about here. No. I think the last thing that I want to mention in terms of dealing with your emotions, dealing with your frustrations and your anger and stuff like that is finding a critical friend. Yes. I think having somebody that you can just fully open up to, say everything that's on your mind, and you know that person is not going to judge you, is going to lend you an ear and listen and then help you talk through it and help you reflect is so important. I've got a really couple of a couple of good critical friends, including Katie. She is one of my good critical friends. 
But yeah, find, finding your people and finding the people that you can just like be you. Yeah, you can just offload it all and they're not going to judge you. They're not going to be critical because they know that you just need that outlet. And I have a couple too. And obviously, Rachel, you are one of them. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it really is key though because it helps you just get it out. Because if you bottle it up, I find that's the worst. So having those people that you can actually talk to and that get you and that get the education system and what you're going through is so important. Good thinking there. <laughs> I think that's the only thing that's kept me sane over the past, you know, 10, 11, 12 years that I've been in education. Yeah. No, because there's always the good and bad, right? It's never this peachy keen, always happy place to be. Yeah. And it's, it's okay to rant. Yeah. Everyone needs to vent every once in a while. It's natural. And, and so maybe that brings us to like things you shouldn't do. <laughs> uh, because there's many. And uh, I think one of the big things is if you're angry and frustrated with somebody, don't go bad mouthing them left, right, and center. Like that's not productive. It's not going to help your team. It's just going to be further divisive. And it, it doesn't make you look all that great either. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with that one as well. You know, go go talk to your critical friends, get those feelings and that's frustration out. But then that's where it stays. That's where it goes that, and let it go. And try not to let that impact how your future interactions are. And I know that's hard. But the reality is that we disagree with people all the time, but we still need to work together. So you need to find ways to compartmentalize, take a breath and say, okay, that was just in that moment. We need to find a way forward. That is so challenging for me. 100%. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yes, it is. It's hard. And I don't forget things easily. They stick with me for a really long time. And I think we talked about this in a few episodes ago, but just growing that thicker skin, like it's, it's tough. I have such a thin skin. <laughs> yeah, no, it is very tough and it is challenging. But I mean, the reality is that we need to work with each other, whether it's difficult and strained or whether, you know, and so we need to find a way forward and it's not going to be easy. It never is, but we can't really, we can't just shut down. For sure. And I think that goes into then being careful and not being passive aggressive as well. So like in your actions, what you do, like just just being very aware of how you are acting towards that person as you move forward. Yeah, you need to kind of take a deep breath, recognize it was a moment. If it's something that you need to talk about further, you know, after some space, go and have that conversation with that person, clear the air. But you can't just become passive aggressive, I guess is the best term for it um, in the way in which you're dealing with one another. And I, so maybe one other piece of advice, and maybe this is a thing you should do versus should not, but I think we need to set our boundaries. And so I think that if we have some clear boundaries for ourselves in terms of, you know, how we deal with colleagues or people in general, I think that will help us to kind of find our space to calm down and kind of clear our minds and not take that into our home life as well, which is tough in education. I would agree with the boundaries. I almost think that goes back to then creating those norms and conditions for collaborating in the first place 
I think you're going to be able to establish some of those boundaries there, at least with your team. And then you can also have some personal boundaries as well. I think what it really boils down to is just good communication. And that can be hard sometimes. Like it, it can be hard to have the difficult conversations. Totally. And actually thinking about that now, um, one resource that I would really highly recommend reading is the book called Crucial Conversations. I read that one and that kind of changed my outlook on how to respond to um, different conversations that you're having that are that are really challenging to have and being able to provide that space for everybody to have their say and to try and keep your reactions and your emotions in check. No, that's that's fair. And uh, I think that's a I have that book. <laughs> and have I've you read, read it yet? I've read parts of it because it was I was a mentor for a new teacher. And I think that's where I got the book from. But um, so I only read parts of it. But I think it's worth going back because I think it's a good reminder to kind of hone those skills and, and coping strategies to be able to have these conversations. Yeah, I think I think I need to go back and reread it again as well. I read it last year. And yeah, it's really cool. It, it there there's really great strategies in there. But I would say that that's kind of a resource you could go back and reference and reread over and over again. Every time you feel like you need that refresher. I think at the end of the day, my biggest advice don't don't let it affect who you are and your passion as an educator. You know, hang on to those good parts because that's what really drives your growth and brings joy to your profession. So hang on to who you are and don't let some of these difficult conversations and situations affect that part of you. Yeah, so on that note, I we're gonna wrap up our conversation for today. And so what we'll do is we'll link any of the resources that we talked about here in the episode in our show notes, and you can access our show notes at edugals.com slash 82. That's E-D-U-G-A-L-S dot com slash 82. And if you like what you heard or feel like a colleague or a friend would benefit from this episode, then feel free to share. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss out on any future content. And we'd love to hear your strategies. If you have other strategies for dealing and collaborating with those challenging colleagues, please let us know. You can go onto our Flipgrid at edugals.com slash Flipgrid and leave us a video message there. Or you can go onto our website at edugals.com and leave us a written response. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our EduGals podcast. Show notes for this episode are available at edugals.com. That's E-D-U-G-A-L-S dot com. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so leave us a message on our website. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and consider leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, keep being awesome and try something new. 